0: Welcome to episode 11 of the Been There, Lost Fat podcast, real education and advice from people who get it. We've been there, lost fat, and successfully helped many others in doing so. We're here to help you eat through all of the bad information and gimmicks to reach your health, fitness, and physique goals in a sustainable way. I'm Sarah Fucinari, an integrative health practitioner, certified nutrition coach, and head coach of Team Fit With Me, here with my assistant coaches and certified nutritionists, Jess Valoy and Taylor Nobles. What's up, guys? Hello. Hey. <laughs> as my friend jackson say the band is back together <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: i love how we all giggle after you introduce us every time
0: <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's, all, there's always like the beat of awkward silence and then you guys are like oh hey <laughs> oh yeah we're here <laughs> that's right um well back to talk about food obviously our favorite subject The only thing it's going to get us out of bed on a friday morning um <laughs> Today we're going to part two our Macros 101. one. kind of talked about the values of macros and today we'll talk about how to count them. Um, we'll we'll have a later episode on you know how to figure out your macros. Obviously a lot of this is general information since when we onboard somebody it's we're, hundreds of questions I, I ask. Um, but the general information certainly is helpful and for anybody that's already counting your macros maybe you can hone your skills a little bit. Um, I do think that it's important before we dive in here, to talk about that uh, or to point out that counting macros is not a diet. Um, yesterday, I was on a consult call and somebody was listing off all the things that she's tried. And she said, you know, I tried, I've tried. i tried keto, I've tried Whole30, I've tried paleo, I've tried, but she's tried fucking everything and she included macro counting in that list. And that's not what macro counting is. So I think that needs to be really, really clear um, that macro counting at the root is nutrition education. It's a tool to collect information, to plan your nutrition, to strategize, to stick to whatever plan that you're that, that you're on. Um, but it's not by nature a diet, and I mean a diet as defined by a fat loss phase but it is a good way to look at your diet and to monitor your diet and to be consistent in your diet as defined as the things that you're consuming so when we talk about a diet uh, in this platform we're going to be talking about the things you're consuming not necessarily making changes Um, and just like any skill if it's learned correctly and it's practiced consistently correctly um, it's going to give you knowledge that you're going to use for the rest of your life and just like you know if you're learning algebra somebody teaches you how to do it correctly and you've solved these equations a lot of times, um, you know how to, still you already know how to do it. And it's something that you're gonna know how to do forever. Which is the same thing with macro counting, which is why it's such a valuable tool, but it is a skill and there's a learning curve and you can do it uh, correctly, you can do it incorrectly, you can do it uh, efficiently and use it as a tool to help you or you can use it as a way to harm you. So I think that's important to note as well. Um, I find that even people that come to us that are already counting their macros um, aren't doing it correctly and it's obviously not serving them, which is why they've arrived and signed up with the team. So I strongly do suggest um, that if you are looking to learn anything and you want to do it as efficiently and effectively as possible, to find a professional to help you, you can absolutely figure it out on your own. I'm not saying that that's not a possibility, but uh, Jess and I were talking the other day, you know, hiring a professional is like taking a private jet versus you can get on the Greyhound and figure it out yourself. And there's nothing wrong with the Greyhound. It's going to still get you to your destination. But it's it's worth noting that the private jet's going to be a lot more comfortable, and you're going to get there a lot quicker. So I think that that's something that's uh, that's helpful to note.
2: Anything to add to that, ladies? We're four minutes in, and we've already talked about time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, time! <laughs> how many how, how many episodes will we go until uh, in, until we stop talking about time? Or we could play a drinking game and we could do a shot every time we talk. Oh, Oh, man. I don't know. That'll work. (laughs) Um, Jess, what do you have to say about macros before we dive into the nitty gritty?
2: I think it's fairly common. And and if you're sitting here listening and you're thinking, you know, what the hell is a macro? That is a very common question that I get, um, whether it be in the onboarding calls or in our macro and meal plan training Um, it's, I would say a good, like 40% of people come through the door and they don't even know what a macro is. Um, and so, you know, we're happy to teach that very basic level of, of, you know, like this is what a macro is and all of that. And honestly, when you first start out with the team, you don't even really have to know what a macro is. We, we do a lot of that, that background work for you and give you a, a much simpler roadmap, um, with your meal plan and, and giving you like, Foods and brands and different things and it, quantities and all of that, so you don't really have to do any of the 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 hard work from the start, um, which I think is important to um, kind of get your get your feet wet and and figure things out what what it looks like on your plate first, versus figuring out the science behind everything that you're eating on day one. Um, you know, for some people that's helpful, um, but for most people they just want to know you know. What do, what do I need to eat to start feeling good and making some of these changes? Um, I
0: think, I think that's actually, I'm so glad that you said that actually, because, um, whenever I talk about how I'm going to teach you how to count macros, when everybody, anybody's looking to sign up, they're always like, well, I've, I've looked into it and it's super fucking confusing. And I don't, you know, I'm scared to do this. And I say to them, we have literally taught probably a thousand people to count macros, Um, and we've never failed. So don't be scared about that. We're really, really good teachers here. And I think that's a good point that, you know, we do give you a lot of examples to start because I know when I started with my coach and not that it's a bad thing, it's just his way of doing things. um, You know, he would just hand me a, a set of numbers and be like, figure it out um and 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 i did figure it out which was fine but it took me some time to figure it out so i couldn't necessarily execute the plan right away because i had that figure it out stage and so a lot of the reason why we've designed our program the way that we have and that we call ourselves the concierge coaches is because we want you to be executing your plan out of the gate so we'll do whatever we need to do and this is one of the strategies that we use to make sure that you're like rocking on your plan by giving you that. And then during that first month, you have all of these examples to look at. So you can just put it in action. And then we teach you how to do it. You have lots of calls with Jess so that you can learn how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So before you start counting macros, you should probably know what macros are. So Taylor, take it
1: away. What are macros? So macros are protein, carbs,
0: and fats and fats. No, that's exactly what macros are. We can, I think we could wrap up the podcast right now. That was a great. One, yeah. uh, I'll say when I
1: first started, I had no idea what a macro was. I was oblivious to it when I started.
0: And, and here we are now. And you, and you wouldn't know. And, and that really is. that Macros are protein, carbs, fats. And so people say, well, I've calorie counted before, but I've never macro counted for. Well, calorie counting is, a, or, is, or I should say macro counting is a more strategic way of tracking your calories because each of your macros is going to have a caloric value. Um, and I'll let Jess expand on that.
2: Um. All right. Well, uh, protein and carbs, um, they, they share the same number of calories per gram. So protein and carbs, they're going to have four calories per gram and fats are going to have nine calories per gram. Um, when it comes to, you know, the differences between calorie counting and macro counting, um, I, I, I would argue that macro counting is a little bit more accurate. Um, just because the, the food that we eat, a lot of it comes from, packages and labels and things like that and those are not always accurate. So if you're just using the calories on a label to track your progress, you may be not tracking things quite accurately. Um there's a lot of times where I will do the math myself on the macros that are listed on a label and the math ain't mathin. Um <laughs> and that's because the FDA
0: allows you to label calories. I think it's a 20% off. Mm-hmm. Um, And and a lot of times, especially with like low carb products, they won't count fiber, which is a, a subset of carbohydrates into your calories. And even though fiber is great, still has a caloric value. And so I think one of the best examples are like those low carb tortillas that they're like, this is only 70 calories. It's almost double that. I think they come up to 110 because they don't count the fiber. So it is Mm -hmm. much more effective to count your macros because that 20%, it could be the difference between you gaining weight, maintaining or losing weight. So just counting calories alone, especially if you incorporate packaged foods into your diet um, could put you at a huge disadvantage.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, we get that question a lot. Um, When people move on from us doing their macros and their meal plans to when they're starting to learn how to do it themselves. They're like, should I be tracking my calories or should I be tracking my macros? Mm-hmm. Um, and always, well, in our in our in our team it's always macros first you know keep an eye on your calories if they're you know outrageously wrong then you know speak up and we'll try to figure something out but it's always macros well wait
0: back up your macros are going to is the same thing as counting your calories it's just doing it in a different way Um, but if your food tracking app if you if your food tracking app if you log in and this is the fucked up thing is that food tracking apps just transpose labels Um, and so if you log into your food tracking app and your macros are all zeroed out exactly at your numbers but your calories are not correct. Do not sweat it. It's because of the label being mislabeled. Um, right. And if your macros are correct, then by by as a byproduct,
2: your calories are going to be correct, right? Right, right. Because that math can, always maths. Right. It's fucking annoying. Um, so <laughs> it,
0: is. it is. So let's talk about everybody's least favorite macro to consume,
1: Taylor. I'm assuming it's protein, right? <laughs> everybody says that everybody loves carbs and fats <laughs> and those are probably the easiest things to get to when you're just like mindlessly eating. Um, but protein, everybody always thinks they're eating a high protein diet and half the time they're they're not even getting a hundred grams in. Um, but protein is needed to maintain muscle mass mass and satiation. Is that the right word. I say that. Yep. <laughs> I was like, did I say that correctly?
0: Oh. Um, um, so it's protein's going to be the most thermogenic of the three macros. But I think that people see that and they say, let me just pound protein. And so thermogenic means that your body is going to work harder to break this down versus carbs and fats. And so that's part of the reason why it's going to be more satiating. You're going to feel more full with protein. Um, And as Taylor said, that was such a good point that people say I'm eating a high protein. I literally wrote a plan for somebody last week that she was like, I just eat high protein um, and and I focus on water. And these are also the bariatric basics, right? Um, She was eating like 80 grams of protein. And I'm like, girl. You are not eating high protein and obviously everybody's protein needs are a little bit different based off of, you know, your body chemistry and your, your height and your weight and your dieting history and your gut health and your hormones, all of these things fall fall into um, that. But for this particular person, appropriate protein was about 150 grams. Um, So for her to say I'm eating high protein was just flat out not true, but I think that's such a common misconception. And. Um, when we're calculating our protein, I think that that's the one that we just do. I I think people just think you're going to be chewing on chicken breast all the time. Mm. But then some people will say, well, shit, if protein is going to burn, my body is going to burn more because it's more thermogenic, then I'm really going to hone in on protein. And I know Taylor once was talking to somebody that she was like, she was like 5'2 and 150 pounds, and somebody told her to eat like 300 grams of protein, right?
1: Wasn't it like something yeah. crazy like Yeah, it was 200. She was following some um, Instagram influencer, and they said, I eat 200 grams of protein. This is what you need to do to hit your protein goal and to lose weight. And that sounds awful to me. That sounds like we're going to be blending chicken Ugh.
0: with the water. <laughs> Well, outside <laughs> I mean, of the fact, not... <laughs> outside of the fact that that's completely unnecessary, I would actually argue that's going to be more harmful because protein also takes a good like it, it takes effort for our digestion to break that down. So, for most people or most women, I should say. Um, to be eating that number of protein, but for everybody, for overeating protein, that it's going to have negative side effects when it comes to your diet. First of all, it's going to be fucking disgusting. You are going to be chewing on chicken breast but, <laughs> but, and just miserable. Um, but it's going to have a negative impact on your digestion. Now, where does that trickle down to? That trickles down to inflammation An inflamed body isn't going to lose fat and an inflamed body isn't going to put on muscle. So that's that. So take that piece off the table. But you can also note that if you overeat on protein, that through the process of gluconeogenesis, that's actually converted to sugars. And so it's going to work against you. And so for a lot of these people, that say I just eat high protein, low carb because I want to, and we'll loop into this when we talk about carbs, uh, work on my, my blood glucose management. They're really doing the opposite by overeating on protein because by nature, it's just going to move over into those sugars anyway. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything yeah. we could talk about our favorite proteins? Let's talk about our sources. Jess, what's in your fridge right now?
2: um mm, uh mostly chicken uh because i just usually have chicken i also have some frozen salmon that i keep forgetting that i have in there that i need to pull out and use because i love it but i'm the only one that eats fish in the house so that's probably why it's still there um shrimp is probably one of my like most favorite but again i don't cook it a lot because i'm the only one that eats seafood mm-hmm. in the house um I have protein powders and stuff, but I use them very sparingly. Uh, oh, cottage cheese has been my new um, kind of go to mm-hmm. protein source. Um, thank you, Instagram, for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was definitely influenced. Uh, I know you have fucking eggs in your fridge. Don't pretend like oh, there's I have, no eggs or egg whites. <laughs> I do have eggs. I do have egg whites. Yes. Yes. We, we, I we
0: prefer egg, egg whites over eggs for some reason. They gross me out less. But My grocery store has not. I know there's been a whole egg thing. There's been plenty of $9 eggs for a dozen, but there have been no egg whites for like three months. It's ridiculous. Just at Safeway, not even like a, not even a specialty store.
1: My oh. eggs went down. They're back to three bucks or
0: whatever. Yeah. Three bucks for a dozen. So well, a unfortunate for you. <laughs> Well, honestly, I haven't grocery shop since, since that one egg incident. I also, I also come, from a place, Guard, I yeah. come from a place of unless it's negotiable, I don't look at the price. So I typically, I mean, that was outrageous. So I noticed it, but like everybody talks about gas prices and I'm like, well, unless I can negotiate that price, I still need fucking gas. And so that's my grow that's how I shop at the grocery store too. And Mark will be like, How much is this? And I'm like, I have no fucking idea. I was buying it anyway. So it's in my cart.
2: Right. And I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, okay, (laughs) what's on sale this week? Let's you know, let's get whatever protein source is on special and let me walk around until I find some red tags. The luxury of not having having but I don't I don't think that's me. (laughs) <laughs> the I luxury of not mom.
0: having fucking expensive. <laughs> the luxury of not having fucking expensive kids. I'll buy whatever eggs I want.
2: <laughs> I've always been this way. I've always been this way, even before kids. I I, I blame it on my grandpa. Um, he's a he's a coupon guy, and he, he's taught me all the fun tricks on saving money. So if you're having if you're having trouble with your your budget and your your diet and things, let me know, and I'll I'll give you some hacks.
0: Yeah, you are. Yeah, you definitely not. Not definitely me. don't ask me. Yeah, don't ask me either. If anybody
2: <laughs> wants to budget-friendly food shopping
0: jess is the girl yeah (laughs) but she's amazing at it taylor what we're at like 200
1: uh let's see well so i mostly eat chicken but i will say the chicken's probably my least favorite but it's the easiest for me to cook and it's the easiest for me to have around um ground chicken however has probably been i don't i i found that probably like a month ago i didn't know it existed i don't really know why but it's so good and it's good for like meatballs you could just um chop it up and put it in your spaghetti or with your spaghetti squash or whatever and it just tastes so good in it i don't know so ground chicken is my favorite Sorry, went on a little tangent there about it um <laughs> seafood is probably my second one but um I think I'm the only one that really likes it. So I keep it around mostly for my lunches. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sh- uh, shrimp. A can of and, tuna in the pantry. Yeah, always. Well, always I have it's one. Always. <laughs> Everybody does. Just in Everybody case, does. Just in case <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so shrimp, salmon, probably my go-tos for seafood and then chicken and ground chicken.
0: Now that I talked all this shit about like don't be chewing on chicken, you guys both have chicken. Um, I'll tell you that I don't really cook. I'm so I'm the laziest fucking person in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. so my chicken is gonna be rotisserie chicken because I just I like it and I don't have to deal with it. And I raw, raw chicken is just nasty for me. Um, so I usually have rotisserie chicken on my grocery list. My grocery store actually sells like just the rotisserie breast meat, which is nice because I don't oh. eat the dark meat. Um, although my trash can husband will eat anything that I don't eat. So that's <laughs> nice. Pick up yourself a garbage disposal call it mark it's wonderful (laughs) um i i do like having shrimp in the form of shrimp cocktail because it's already cooked don't have to deal with it Mm. Um, sometimes I'll do like some lox, salmon type of thing for the morning. Obviously all of us have eggs. Eggs are always the thing. Um, I do use some dairy for protein. Dairy is not, doesn't affect me digestively. So I don't have any problem with that. But I do find that a lot of people lean on dairy for protein sources and you have to be careful about that. Even if dairy doesn't affect you digestively, it shouldn't be your main source of protein because, um, because it's going to start affecting you. Um, it's one of the most inflammatory foods and I do, you know, and I do eat dairy, I don't have any problem with it, but I don't have it every single meal. And I'll see a lot of times people have like every single meal. Like we'll start the morning with cheese, then we'll have yogurt, then we have cottage cheese. So I would say at least be mindful of that um, so you can keep any sort of inflammation at bay there. Dairy is not bad, but it's something that needs to be a moderation and shouldn't be your main protein source. Um, other proteins that I have, I usually, 96 ground beef is probably one of my favorite. I ate a lot of fucking ground Turkey in the beginning of my health journey. And I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> like there are just certain things. Like when I first started with Jason, um, I had like serious gut and hormonal issues and he told me that my only proteins were going to be whitefish, um, his protein powder, new ethics, protein powder and egg whites. And so for four months, those were my only protein sources. I think I had some salmon packets in there too, because I was traveling a lot. Um, but I remember like month four, I was fucking choking on cod and I would message him <laughs> and I was like, Jason, I absolutely cannot do this anymore. And that was a time in my life that I could have never been so excited to eat fucking chicken.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, chicken's yeah. pretty versatile so it
1: is it is i um i'm not a fan of rotisserie because i don't like that the bones have to crack as i take the chicken apart and that weirds me out but if it was already done for me i would love it
2: costco definitely sells packages of like already shredded up um chicken breasts from the rotisserie chickens i don't know if sam's club does that also but i know costco does i'm gonna go today so i'll find
1: out mm-hmm. and they're like i feel like, in
2: my like my first time pack. I feel like the Costco oh, okay. one had like some fat on it. Like a lot of
0: those pre-cooked, like the Tyson frozen chickens, um, the ones that have like the, the rib meat on mm-hmm. it, they like ugh, chicken fat is disgusting. I like won't eat that stuff. They're <laughs> super picky about that. Do not put any yeah. chicken fat in your meat. and I'm tapping. Out. <laughs> um, all right. I think we locked down some good proteins, obviously protein powder. Uh, we should probably bring that up protein powder supplementing. Um, I have no problem with. But we need to be mindful of the fact that a protein supplement is going to be missing a lot of the micronutrients that whole food protein is going to have. So you don't want that to be a main source um, because you're missing out on other things. When it comes to protein powders and supplements in general, make sure that you're really, really wary about the ingredients. The supplement industry is very unregulated. It's unregulated, period. And I, I know that I watched a documentary a couple of years ago by the Bell brothers, Chris and Mark. They're uh, like famous powerlifting family, and they decided they were going to start their own supplement company. And so just to show how unregulated it is, so they went to go found, find some workers, they picked up a couple guys at Home Depot in the morning, they brought them back, they filled up their bathtub with the ingredients and filled the literally filled, filled the capsules, they slapped a label on the bottle and they sold it. So that's really how unregulated oh, the supplement companies are and um, most of them are low quality is the truth. We all recommend New Ethics. It's super duper clean, but that's not the only clean option. But when looking for a protein powder, you want to make sure it's a pure whey isolate. You want it to be cold or low temperature processed. Reason being is that first of all most of them aren't cold or low temperature process because it takes longer um, so they're processed with high heat which is going to denature the protein and is also going to make it um, less bioavailable and the other piece with the cold low temp process that lactose is removed in that process so you move remove that inflammatory piece that comes along with the dairy product because whey is by nature that um, the next thing is you want to look for like not a shit ton of ingredients <laughs> make sure that that's a piece mm-hmm. of puzzle there and then the last piece when looking for, and, and protein powder, our protein powder has, uh, depending on what flavor, like five to seven ingredients. And then the biggest red flag is looking for what it's sweetened with. So, steer clear. The biggest red flag is sucralose. Um, sucralose is made by, this is going to turn you off. Um, taking sucrose, sugar, removing removing one molecule, and then replacing it with chlorine. So you can imagine that the the harmful effects that it has on your gut. There's lots of studies on uh, neurological issues and all those things as well as a result of uh, of, of consuming consuming sucralose, which is Splenda. Um, so be wary of that. That's the most common red flag ingredient I see. And then the other alternative outside of the whey iso would be uh, a vegan protein. And so um, you're not gonna have the same amino acid profile, um, but if if pure whey iso, the low temp process with our guidelines doesn't agree with you digestively and you really do have a dairy issue, not just a lactose issue, um, then vegan would be the right the right direction there. And we usually we usually recommend the the PE science vegan protein, uh, but beware because they're, whey protein, it does have sucralose in it, but their vegan protein does look pretty clean. So I think that probably rounds out protein. Uh, Jess, you want to take the next
2: one? Hmm. Carbs. I feel like this is not very, I mean, I had a couple of high carb days, so I'm I'm feeling okay about it. I'm not coming off of a 50 carb day to talk about carbs. (laughs) <laughs> um so carbs carbs get a bad rap um and they have for a few years now um people are you know weary of them because of the the keto hype and um carbs the carbs are great carbs give us energy uh, for your workouts for life um one of the the top things that i hear from clients after they've um, balanced out their nutrition is wow i have so much energy this week Um, it's really strange. I just, I I feel better throughout the day. Um, um, I'm not going to say it's only the carbs, but I'm sure the carbs have something to do with it. Um, So carbs are a good source of fiber. They're delicious. Um, But not all carbs are created equally. Um, So, you know, I would recommend using more whole food sources of carbs than the higher processed types of carbs, but there is a time and a place for all carbs in your diet, I think in a balanced diet. But, um, right now I'm really focusing on getting all of my carbs from fruit. Yes. Fruit. You can have a banana, um, and vegetables as my main sources of carbs, and then sprinkle in a little bit of, of other types of carbs, you know, a little, uh, chickpea pasta here and there or a slice of bread but um yeah
0: and i and so the so we we talk a lot about getting your carbs from colorful sources and a lot of that is for volume micronutrients fiber and that's why we say that and so not uh, carbs are um some that are not all, all created equal and that goes for all macronutrients as we're talking about here as well um but i think that the stigma around carbs is so disturbing and it's really putting people at a huge disadvantage Um, and why does it work okay well let's talk about why it i'm going to say quote unquote works because it works in the beginning right until we have that adaptation but so if somebody decides to cut carbohydrates out of their diet first you're going to have a big drop in the scale what's the reason for that so for every gram of carbohydrates comes along three grams of water so that initial drop is just going to be from water But we also need to think about what happens after that. So you have that initial drop, and then let's say that you keep seeing the scale going down. Well, it's a strategy to reduce your calories. If you're in a caloric deficit, the scale's probably going to go down. Um, And and, and it doesn't mean that it's necessarily coming from fat, by the way, either. Um, And that's an important thing to note is that if you want to put on muscle, it's carbs that are going to do that for you. It's not protein. People always say protein is the building block of muscle. Protein is important to be an, to be anabolic, able to put on muscle. But if you want to put uh, muscle on your body, carbs are really the sweet spot there. And also you can get, you can get really specific with timing your carbs when you're more insulin sensitive and we can loop back to that another time. But I think that's something that is such a common misconception is that it's your fuel. And if you want to have muscle mass and you want to have optimal metabolic function, and your hormones working for you, you want to be able to ovulate and all of those fun things, um, that carbs are really an essential piece of that puzzle. So I hate that that is such a a popular thing. Um, But then we can think about the group, let's talk about the keto people that say, well, I'm I'm, I'm eliminating carbs in my diet because I want to be able to manage my blood glucose or this is how I'm gonna uh, cure my type two diabetes. And so when we're talking about insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity and the, and the high end of insulin resistance would be diabetes. So we can talk about it in that example. It's really a marker of how efficient your body is. I'm going to geek out now. Are you guys ready? <laughs> <Do it. laughs> oh, I love it. So the way that Chris described it, um, which I think is an excellent way to describe it, is we're gonna talk about somebody who's insulin sensitive, who's a good carb processor, and we'll talk about somebody who's insulin resistant or type two diabetic, we'll fall into that that category. And so we'll take a logistics route. They've gotta deliver a certain amount of packages to the same exact area. Somebody who's insulin sensitive is only going to need two, three, four drivers to deliver those packages so their body is efficient. Whereas somebody who's insulin resistant might need 20, 30 drivers to deliver the same amount of packages on the same exact route. And so doctors who know fucking about nothing about nutrition, because remember, they only take 20 hours or less of nutrition education say, well, your insulin is up. Your A1C is up. You have to eliminate all carbs from your diet. And so with our analogy, that would be like saying, okay, well, I'm just going to give you less packages to deliver. What is that going to do? That's going to make your drivers lazy. It's not going to make you more efficient. So there's a lot of strategy that you can add in there and toggling around. And everybody has a different, uh, you know, appropriate level of carbohydrates that they should be including. But most of the time, it's because we're using these fast carbs that really do spike our insulin. So I think white white carbs is the best way to describe that. Somebody who's insulin sensitive is probably going to want some white carbs in their diet because they're going to want that to support their, their strength training typically and why why is that good because if we have a fast carb before we work out it's going to increase glycogen in our muscles which is going to bring water to our muscles during your strength training you're going to deplete that glycogen that's what strength training does and then post workout the time that you're most anabolic able to put on muscle you're going to you're going to want those fast carbs to replenish those glycogen stores now, somebody that is more insulin resistant is gonna to want to really focus on fibrous carbs because that's going to slow the spike. And also having your carbs in balanced meals. If you're having just carbohydrates, it's gonna spike your insulin. If you're having carbohydrates as part of a balanced meal, then it's gonna slow that spike as well. So now that I just tangented, um, <laughs> Taylor, what kind of carbs are in your, are in your pantry and fridge right now? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, we have to talk about spaghetti squash because we do it every time, but that is my go to. And, you know, the cool thing about it is, is um, I didn't I didn't realize how much of it you can get compared to, you know, a regular pasta, which I think is cool. Like when I first started mm-hmm. eating spaghetti squash, I was like three hundred and fifty grams. That's outrageous. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is delicious. And I'm like full because there's so much volume in it. Um, and that's kind of what I love about us switching over to like counting our um, greens, our vegetables, um, because you really can get so much and you don't realize how much you can get for so little carb, which is cool. Um, so let's see, I have protein pasta right now I have spaghetti squash. I have, or it's like that, that protein pasta is like, I don't know if you guys have tried it, but it tastes just like regular pasta, but it's the Barilla protein plus Uh and um, it's delicious. Um, Let's see. What else do I have? I'm having oats. So those, that's a good one. Um... I don't know. I think that's it. I think that's what I'm having this week.
2: What kind of fruit do you have? Potatoes.
1: Uh, strawberries. Strawberries and apples are my fruit for the week. Usually that's actually what we have every week, strawberries and apples. Jess, what you got?
2: Uh, let's see. What do we got? Mm-hmm. Uh, grapes, oranges, uh, frozen berries. We always have frozen berries on hand because um, my – year old wants to like bankrupt me with berries um <laughs> um chickpea pasta spaghetti squash yes always um and then zucchini is my other favorite vegetable i haven't talked about it on the pod as much but um if you are a client you've heard me talk about zucchini um because you can blend it into a protein shake you can use it as a side you can throw it into some pastas and noodle uh green beans that's another one um that we use a lot because i like to make them into french fry type green beans where i stick them in the air fryer with some salt and pepper and they're delicious um what else do i got rice Uh, i like uh, we like to do a combination of um long grain white and jasmine rice um Jasmine rice because it's easy to digest. Long grain because it's a little bit more hearty and and it doesn't make the rice super mushy. If it's too mushy, my husband won't eat it. So...
0: I am. Um, you guys are gonna be really disappointed in me, but I prepped spaghetti squash this week and I actually haven't eaten it because I've been cheating on her with butternut squash. Ooh. Um, mm. Pro tip though, if you do butternut squash, I highly recommend spending the extra couple bucks to get it already cubed because it's a big fucking <laughs> pain in the ass to deal with. If you don't know what a butternut squash looks like, it kind of looks like a giant penis, mm-hmm. um, which as you can imagine, and it has a thick skin on it. So think about like wrangling that on a cutting board. Um, it's just I have a trick female. for that. But i'm not the, doing the trick. it i don't want i don't you even want rock to know it, it. Rock, your rock, it. Rock, your
2: rock it rock your knife and i don't know because i tried rock the the are, stro- are, stro- are, stro- are we Are we stroking i tried to rock
1: the knife and it didn't work and i was like oh. okay nothing is happening here and it i am stupid and i'm about oh. to cut
0: myself wait are you talking about for spaghetti squash or butter and squash it's, it's the same, same kind of yeah no fuck that i'm no fuck that i'm buying it <laughs> Mine and cubed. Uh, so I've got butternut squash, I have spaghetti squash, I haven't eaten yet, I should probably get on that. I usually do some peppers and onions for like a, a fajita-like concoctions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually have microwave rice because I'm too lazy to actually make rice. Um, I used to do the old Uncle Ben's, but I like the Trader Joe's one better. For some reason, the mm. Jasmine Uncle Ben's got a weird aftertaste for me. But it's also one of those things like turkey, ground turkey, that I ate so much of it that I think yeah. I just burnt myself out on it. I have broccoli and cauliflower and, ooh, Murasaki potatoes are so good. Delicata squash is one of my favorites. So, and I always have like oats and things in my fridge. Ooh, cereal, always have cereal as well. I think those are my basic carbs. And I always have blueberries, blackberries. Mark has raspberries. We're not sure if I'm allergic to them or not. So I stopped eating them, even though I love them. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that covers the carbs. So
2: mm-hmm. don't Very be scared colorful. of
0: carbs. Don't be scared of carbs. Be They're strategic yummy. with carbs. Um, and if you are in a deficit, just like with any with any change, it's going to come with some side effects. So you can anticipate that when you're in a fat loss phase that you're going to have some hunger. That's, that's the name of the game. Just like you can anticipate that if you're reverse dieting, you're probably going to feel a little bit full. And so even though we know we have those side effects, we can minimize them. So when we're dieting and in a fat loss phase, we can minimize that side effect of the missing calories by choosing higher volume foods and carbohydrates are really the focus on that. Also, when it comes to protein, Maybe you use protein supplements, but you're probably gonna to wanna to chew. I was talking to, to one of our clients this week, and I said, you know, start chewing your protein. You're gonna feel more full instead of using supplements <laughs> and bone broth and those things. And those are things that we don't think of that, you know, we can be strategic to minimize those side effects. Whereas if you're reverse dieting, you're probably gonna choose lower volume foods so that yeah. you can hit your numbers there. So I think that's important. Then we'll move into the, the final macro. Which I I have such a love-hate relationship with fats. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talked about in the last podcast that pretty much everybody that comes with us doesn't eat enough protein, eats way too much fat, and is either terrified of carbs or going ham on carbs. So we have that swing in the middle. When it comes to fats, fats are super sneaky because they are more than double the caloric value of. Proteins and carbs per gram, and they are very low volumes, so they don't take a lot of space, and they add up really, really quickly. Yeah, the good thing delicious. about that—that's the thing about fats <laughs> they they—they're their fats are flavor, and that's why if you go if you go to a restaurant, you can always anticipate that they're going to be using fats because it's flavor. Fats are also really important for our hormones, for our gut, for our brain health as well. But it is important to be mindful of how much we're consuming, especially knowing that most people overconsume fats. And there's also, just like with carbs and proteins, there are fats that can be used for good and fats that can be used for evil. So (laughs) anybody have anything to add on fats? Or you want to jump into what fats you have on hand? Let's jump. What you got, Taylor?
1: Um, Olive oil is my number one, um, usually. Fats, um, almonds, eggs have a little bit of fat in them, so I use that. Um, avocado, avocado is a good one that we always have. Mm-hmm. Those are probably my my go tos. What
0: do you
2: got, Jess? Uh, I like to do avocado oil. Um, I think it has like a higher smoke point than olive oil or something i don't know but it just seems like it doesn't make my kitchen smell bad when i use it so no it
0: but, does olive oil yeah. has a lower uh heat step more what's it called the smoke the smoke something smoke point You're right olive yeah. oil is higher yeah so, yeah or, excuse so, me, avocado oil has a higher threshold
2: so i get my, my avocado oil from costco i get the big ass jug of it um i will add some sesame oil every now and then um just to give it a little bit of a different like flavor profile but i don't use a ton of it i just use a little bit of that guy uh eggs yes whole eggs for fats uh i've got the salmon which i need to use that's a little bit of a higher fat protein um and and what else chia seeds Mm, i maybe have some nuts but i don't really eat a lot of nuts
0: okay common misconception a lot of people come to us and they say i eat plenty of protein i eat cheese (laughs) just cheese and nuts (laughs) <laughs> Cheese and nuts. Um, those are the two things that we see i eat peanut butter with breakfast that's my protein for breakfast no peanuts. funny and we'll, and we'll talk about hybrid macros uh in a couple minutes here but that's something that's really important to note to note is that peanut butter nuts are going to be a fat they're going to be counted more so towards your fats and even though yes there are protein and carbs in them they're primarily a fat source um and one and- am my what well, i'm trying to think of what's in my pantry right now and do love me some avocados, Egg, uh, put a fucking runny egg on top of whatever. Mm-hmm. And put a runny egg on top of dog shit and it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I have avocado oil I use as well. I usually lean towards the avocado over the olive oil. And then I have some dairy that has some fats in it. I do find that a lot of people also lean towards so we talked about nuts we talked about dairy products but also fattier meats just mentioned that with salmon so your typical salmon you're going to buy is going to be higher in fat and again they're, they're omegas they're good fats but you can also lean towards a sockeye salmon which is going to be leaner and then when people are choosing their proteins, I think this is a huge reason why people are like, I can't hit my protein goal because I keep going over my fats or my calories. Is They're choosing fattier proteins. So we have people that will come to us and be like, I have chicken wings for my protein sources. Well, it has a ton of fat. So, I think when you're reading a label, a really good way to look at things or when you're logging something in your diary is can I hit, this is for proteins, can I hit my protein goal for this meal without going over on my fats? And if the answer is no, that doesn't mean that you can't have that, but maybe you'll have it in a different way. So, something I like to do when I'm having a fatty or protein is to combine it with a lean protein. Think surf Mm -hmm. and turf. Think whole egg, but then add egg whites to fill in the rest of your protein. In the morning, I know for me, I get like ski. I have a threshold on how many egg whites I can eat at one time so I like doing the multiple sources I do lean ter- I'm doing lean turkey sausage right now ground sausage or I'll do some uh, center cut bacon or something like that so that I can fill in some more protein sometimes I'll use my protein leftover from the night before if we had steak the night before I'm definitely gonna have steak and eggs little things like that will help for you to hit your protein goal without going over on your fats anything else to add on fats
2: I would say with most people, it's either, you know, they can't hit it or they go over. There's usually, you know, the middle point usually isn't isn't the issue. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I have had to counsel a few people on, you know, the importance of not cutting out all of their fats just because. They're oh, and like- by
0: the way, like digestive lube guys, you, you want to move things through your digestion, oh you got to lube that baby up fats, water, <laughs> fiber from your carbs. I mean, like all of these things have a place and have a balance and everybody's balance is a little bit different, which loops back to my opening statement of macros are not a diet. Macros are education and strategy so that your diet can truly be customized to you for whatever that mm-hmm. is. Um, if you pulled up any client's macros, I don't think that anybody's will really match up macro to macro. And, it's, and that's and that's by design. Um, you know, I always say cookie cutter plans don't work for a reason. we know that they don't work in the long term. We're not cookies to be cut. We're all different. We all have different requirements. And learning to count macros is going to give you that nutrition education. So you know what's in the food that you're eating. So you can combine them properly. So you can create balanced meals and you know how much to eat of everything as well.
2: This is really um, just a giant science experiment, ex- experiment and, you know, using macros just lets us hone in on the variables a little bit so that we have stuff to tinker with so we can say, okay, well, if we do this, what's the output? It's all, hell yeah. It's just, it's all just a big science experiment. It's, oh,
0: absolutely. It is. And I'll tell you that for me, that viewing it as a science experiment takes the emotion out of out of it for me, because emotion Data. makes us, makes us subjective. I like to look at things in an objective way and knowledge has really been power for me. And, uh, you know, I I don't think that I've ever had somebody sign up that knows, you know, that knows it all. And that's a big edge in it. And learning how to do it or learning what to do, I think is important, but then also learning how to do it. And I think that that was something that was missing when I first signed up with my coaches. I had to figure out how to do it. He would tell me what to do, but I had to figure out how to do it. And he would make a recommendation like he. Cream of rice with ground beef and some fish oil caps. And that just wasn't it for mm. me. So mm. we have, we happen to have a recipe database of over 200 recipes that are all delicious things. Yeah. Sometimes some bro meals are helpful to have. That sounds particular i like amount. Yeah. Yeah. That,
2: that sounds like legit prison food. <laughs> easy, easy,
0: easy on the digestion though. <laughs> and when it comes to figuring out your macros, there are other things to consider. Just outside of your metabolism and your metabolic rate, if you're on hormone therapy, if you're on testosterone, you likely are going to be more anabolic. So you'll be processing a little bit more protein. You're also going to have that hormone support that you could probably push your fats down a little bit lower as well. So there's lots of checks and balances when we're considering where your macros need to be and what to adjust based off of your gut health, your hormonal health, your satiation, making sure that you're feeling full from your meals. And so there's a lot of, of variables that go into that. But I think the next thing to talk about is, which we touched on with protein sources, is that not all macros are just this is a protein, this is the fat, Mm -hmm. this is the carb. And when you're first learning how to count, if you're learning how to do it by yourself, I do recommend starting with those really simple, you know, this is a protein, this is a fat, this is a carb, just because it makes the math a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, as you get a little bit more comfortable, or if you have somebody helping you that knows how to do it already, then incorporating those hybrid sources is something to be mindful of. And that loops into, we touched on peanut butter and cheese and, or dairy products, I should say, um, protein sources that will also come along with that. There are some some foods that have all three macros when we're talking about avocados. Chia seeds have all three, um, you know, all of those things we need to consider when we're balancing our macros as well. Is there anything I missed with that?
2: Mm-mm. No.
0: Jess, we're good? No, Yeah. Um, You know, I was thinking about getting into building your menu, but let's talk about the fourth macro and then we'll do building next time. Okay. so the the fourth macro (laughs) um, is the the redheaded stepchild macro (laughs) um, is going to be alcohol. So as we talked about, macros, protein, carbs, fats all have caloric values. Alcohol doesn't fall into those three buckets, but it also has caloric value as well. I think before we talk out about alcohol, it's important to note that alcohol is doing nothing for your physique. It's doing nothing for your internal health. It's doing nothing for your mental health. It's doing nothing for your health. But your sleep. girl, your girl, and nothing for your yeah. sleep, nothing for your hormones, for your gut the hormones doing alcohol is doing nothing for you. But <laughs> I would be lying if I said that I was a sober Sally. None of us, Jess is the most sober Sally of the three of us. Taylor and I like to get shit-faced sometimes. <laughs> Jess is like, I've had <laughs> Throw us under the bus. (laughs) Um, So, I'm not going to pretend like I don't drink, but it is important to note that alcohol is a toxin. But if you're going to have alcohol, um, obviously you should be educated on what it's doing to your body and you need to find your balance. And if your primary goal is to optimize your physique and be lean and muscular, then it really doesn't have a place in your life also if you are drinking consistently and you find that you're not making good decisions around food i think that's a big red flag Um, i was talking to a client recently who does have that problem that she drinks multiple times a week. And, you know, we all know if you get chip faced one night, you're going to want, want to wake up the next morning. You're going to want bagel, you're going to want fried foods. So that's something to consider as well, outside of the benefit of, outside of the impact of just the alcohol, the toxin is the trickle down. I know that I used to be such a pothead up until like not all that long ago. I was a daily pot smoker because I like that was how I would turn off my brain at night and it was calorie free, unlike alcohol. So that was a really appealing thing for me. But it also, you know, munchies are a real thing. I'll tell you something really funny. My best friend, Amanda, when we lived together, we call when we lived together the high times. It was it was like 10 years ago. <laughs> she had like a million knee surgeries. So we couldn't really do anything. I'd be like pushing her around in a wheelchair. So the only thing we could do is get stoned and go to the movies. But we came up with my coffee table book, which is going to be uh, Munching Around the Munchies, The Skinny Girl's Guide to Being a Stoner. (laughs) There are strategies to be had there. But I think when we're talking about those things that we have to be mindful of, like the direct impact and then the trickle down impact as well. So back to counting alcohol and how to count it. So alcohol is going to be unique as it's going to have seven gram or seven calories per gram, whereas protein carbs are going to have four. Fats are going to have nine, so it falls in the middle there. And the best way to count it is to account for those calories by pulling from either carbs or fats. I don't recommend pulling from protein because protein is so important to be hitting that number. But if you're going to incorporate a cocktail, then you're going to pull it from your carb or your fat calories. Um... I'll pause if you guys have anything to add.
2: I recommend pulling from both, splitting the difference. I think that that works best for most people's plans so that they don't feel like they're being deprived in the rest of their day from one Mm -hmm. particular macro. And the other thing that I like to recommend to people is if you know that you're going to be drinking or you suspect you're going to be drinking, plug it into your day first so that Mm -hmm. you can divide out the rest of your macros and still have a pretty balanced day. Don't just, you know, have chicken, breast and wine for dinner, if you can avoid that.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's something that's important to note for like any kind of deviations. Like if you have a meal out, if you have an event, um, having a plan is really important. And just like not all carbs are are equal, not all alcoholic beverages are. Please stop drinking fucking beer. Like please stop drinking beer. I don't know, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to have a drink, like I'm trying to be buzzed. I saw a fucking ad the other day that was for non-alcoholic wine. Wine without the alcohol. Like what well, it said like I want to have wine but I don't want the booze. Why the fuck do you want wine and not the yeah. unless it's just a product that's made for alcoholics. I don't understand.
1: I don't get it either. I had it when I was pregnant one time and I was like this really does nothing.
2: That was my response when she brought it up. I said, when I was pregnant, I kind of craved having Mm. a gin and tonic. So I would have tonic water and lime just as like to like get past that, like craving while I was pregnant and I didn't want to have alcohol. But
0: okay, well, why is that ad targeting happen? me? Because we know ads are targeted. <laughs> so I don't know why that ad ended up in my fucking feed. They must have been listening Telling to something. Convers- yeah, they were listening. No, they were listening <laughs> to somebody else because it definitely wasn't me. Um, but there's a big difference between saying I'm going to have a vodka club versus I'm going to have a Cosmo. Um, choosing sugary drinks is going to have obviously a higher impact. Beer is going to have an impact on your gut. Choosing yeasty drinks, one of my favorite gross words, (laughs) is definitely going to have an impact there. So my advice personally is that if you're going to have a cocktail, be efficient with those calories so you can catch a good buzz.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Anything else to add on, on booze?
2: Well, now I want a skinny Marg.
0: Mm -mm. (laughs) i haven't i actually order this is my extra skinny marg order is i will literally be like can i have tequila on the rocks with a bunch of fucking lime and then i'll have a packet of stevia that in my purse that i just sprinkle on top um extra skinny marg boom um, tastes extra
2: delicious when consumed out of a stanley cup (laughs) Oh, there's that too.
0: I actually haven't tried taking my, taking my LMNT and putting booze in it. We, we love this electrolyte powder. Um, it's, it's turned into like a fucking cult thing is our Stanley cups with our LMNT powder. But when I first had my electrolyte powder, I was like, woo. And Jess is like, just think a bit about it being a marg. And I was like, you know what? I actually really like this. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll put a citrus. I wonder. I
1: really wonder. A little tequila in there would probably be really good in the
0: citrus salt one. Well, I'm I'm supposed to. uh, Well, maybe tonight that's what I'll make.
2: (laughs) Or you can at least line your cup with the citrus salt. Like just use it as like the, the rim.
0: Look at us oh my god that's it that she's fucking shot she's chopping onions over there <laughs> Taylor and I are like we're just gonna mix these things together we're just gonna things.
1: mix it
2: <laughs>
1: no that doesn't sound too bad little tequila little
0: salt yeah yeah so yeah. I think I think that we're hitting our time limit here we still got a lot to talk about but this is part two of uh, I don't know 500. Talk yeah. about food all day <laughs> does anybody else have anything to add no, I, don't we're think, good. So. No, I so. think everything else will have to wait till next time. So if you're somebody that is learning to count macros or has just signed up with us or is looking to sign up with us, remember that this is a skill to learn. It's going to take practice. But this is one of those situations that no matter what your uh, plan is or what season of your health journey you're on. That knowledge is power. And this is the best way to learn about what's in the food that you're eating so that you know how much to eat and how to properly combine foods. And we'll, you'll also find some balance and freedom and flexibility in your life to incorporate less nutritious things from time to time, which is a part of life. We've all been in that stage where we've... Uh, been sticking to our diet plan and we have a cookie and we say, well, fuck, I'm off my diet. I'm going to eat five more cookies and then I'll start my diet again tomorrow or maybe Monday if it's Friday. Might as well just throw the whole weekend in the fucking bucket, bucket. Whereas if you know what's in the cookie that you're eating, carbs and fats, you can say, all right, I can balance out my day and I can stay on my plan. So I really do believe that learning how to macro count is probably one of the most, uh, most effective ways to have long-term results and develop that consistency and food freedom as well. Anything else, ladies? Yeah,
2: I think that covers it.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to the Been There, Lost Fat podcast. Our motto here is do it right so you only have to do it once. If you're looking for personalized and customized programming to reach and sustain your health and fitness goals, check us out at teamfitwithme.com and you can set up a complimentary consult with me. Also on our website, there is a link to free guides and there are macro guides in there that will take you through the process step-by-step step as well. Don't, be hesitate, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us if you have any questions. You can always slide in the DMs. We're happy to chat and I hope everybody has a good day.